2: Yeah. I have to be m- motivated and love what I do to do it. Yeah. I, really, Absolutely, I think yeah. the only time in my career that I did something purely for money was to pay for my honeymoon, I accepted the Boy George tour. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to another episode, a very exciting episode uh, of 2020 my My name's Corey Peza, here as always with Benny Goodman and our roving reporter, Siobhan Cronin, out on the road. <laughs> Where are you tuning, right now?
3: Tuning in from somewhere in Nebraska. There we, we go. We just left Lincoln. Just, we, already had a <laughs> we show. We knew this was so. going to
1: happen someday. I'm glad we were able to make it work.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you ain't in Kansas anymore, baby.
1: We're super pumped to welcome back our, our, our British ambassador, uh, along with Richard Shaw, uh, Steve Wood.
0: My spirit animal, and you should just listen to him. There's nothing more that needs to be said. He's just going to throw you into it like the Matrix, and you're just going to have to deal with it because he's Steve Wood. And because of that, you should just hashtag Steve Wood and tell us what you think down below in the comments. And, and, and subscribe. 2020-D.com. Watch it on YouTube. Cheers.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm here as always. I'm Siobhan Cronin with my friends and cohorts, Corey Peza and Benny Goodman. How are you guys doing?
0: Great as always. I'm here <laughs> with Steve Wood, so I couldn't be in a better place right now. I, there's and nowhere I'm else I'd rather
2: be. Well, It's both ways. I couldn't be in a better place
3: Ben jumped the gun a little bit But I'm here uh, tuning in from the tour bus of Star Set As we are on tour right now But we have a wonderful guest coming back once again For I guess parts three and four This would be with Steve Wood Yeah of yeah. Shelter Music Group, thank you so much for coming back to hang out with us. Thank you for dealing with my crazy logistics Someone this month while very in touring. Very familiar with
1: touring himself, <laughs> yes, right?
3: Who was just talking to us about how many tours he's done in Japan uh, while we were just getting ready to start the show. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. The
0: senior manager at Shelter Music, there he the man, the got 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 myth, it. the legend,
2: the grand poo ball himself, Mister Stephen Wood. In my own mind. It, yes, that is absolutely right. I can't tell you how excited I am to be back. I've been thinking about this ever since I last did it, and I'm I'm just so excited, and I hope I can deliver what you guys think this is going to be, because I'm excited. <laughs> Sounds so like I, you have
0: obsessive thoughts. Little Mikkel helps me with
2: that. I, I do. I do. I'm the neurotic manager. There you go. Oh, we've got the neurotic guitarist
3: <laughs> and the neurotic manager. Well, what we definitely love your enthusiasm. And, you know, the last two shows, if the listeners haven't checked it out, don't forget to like and subscribe to 020-D.com. We had Steve Wood on before with amazing, amazing stories. And I, I, he was so I excited he had to come as, back to tell more.
0: I, I would go as far as to say that some of the best stories that I've ever heard from any human being ever. And... Dare I say, his neurosis is
2: contagious. Yeah, lucky I, I only gave you some of the medium ones. I kept the better ones in case you called me back.
0: All right. We called them, we texted him, <laughs> we faxed him, we sent a pigeon his way. We actually had Johnny Depp call him and, and ask him if he would send us a letter. And then the letter got to us by, again, a passenger pigeon who handed it off to the Fox. And then, then my friend told me, who's the guy that owned the Fox, that the Fox wasn't feeling so good. And then SOS wow. us. And then Steve got here.
2: That is true. Here we are. We have (laughs) a sit down (laughs) officially. Wow. You just, that just rolled right off your head, didn't it? All that amazing.
1: (laughs) Rolled, spewed, spilled, something like that. I'm (laughs) glad to be here. I
2: really am. And thanks again. Absolutely.
1: Let's let's do it. It's been a, you know, a couple months since we talked to you. and Can you just kind of fill us in with uh, what's going on in your world right now? Sure.
2: Sure. Well, um, first of all, you know, we've been trying to, re-evaluate, re everything we had to cancel, postpone. Um, it's like musical chairs. Uh, you know, we, we're told we're doing this and we go through all the process. We book the hotels, the box, the trust, everything. And then it gets postponed and then we have to start again. So we're just doing that uh, with Godsmack, with, with uh, Joe Perry, with the Hollywood vampires. And um, I can tell you right now, We had a whole East Coast run with Joe Perry. Was he actually playing the House of Blues in Boston? November. But it's just not safe enough uh, for him. Um, And many of the shows were in Florida. And I don't know if you guys are looking, but Florida is, is not doing well. It sounds like you're playing musical chairs when really the game is duck, duck, goose. Yes, we are. And... And you I haven't have, ducked, and nor are you a goose. No, but we are busy getting nowhere. That's what we're doing. Basically. Are you running yeah. to stand still? Correct. That's a well, a good way to put it. And it's not, you know, it's it's frustrating. It's disappointing. Um, and, and what's more, if you're in my position, uh, the large amount of income comes from global touring, not just U.S. And good luck doing a tour outside of the U.S. There is no such thing. Okay, the um, big festivals are being announced. The Rock and Ring, Rock M Park, Download, Nova Rock, all, all those. But nobody's doing, a, a, you know, five nights a week in Europe. It's not happening yet because Europe is not in lockstep with, with here. Well, Um, do you think that we're being crazy? Because I'll
0: be honest with you. I was at Guns N' Roses the other day, and there were 60,000 people there. And meanwhile, I'm talking to one of my friends who's in Indonesia, and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't go to the studio right now. We're on lockdown through August 2nd. And I I didn't even know. I'm an American, right? I'm an American. I can go outside. I didn't even know that shit was blowing up around the world. I'm like, am I stupid for rocking out to Welcome to the Jungle? Am I going to die, Axel?
2: No. But... One of the bands I manage, like a storm, three guys are from Auckland, New Zealand. They haven't even started doing Covid shots because they lock the island down and you can't get in or get out, and they have no Covid. Same with Australia. Where, you know so you're not touring there. Japan, you're not going there, you're not going anywhere except here. And the latest news I have for Canada, I think on April, August 19th, we can cross the border now into Canada. I don't know, Siobhan, if, if the tour you're on is, has Canada on it.
3: No, we're just US right now.
2: Yeah. Well, they just announced it a few days ago that uh, double vaccinated people can enter Canada. But we're still not back in black here. We're, we're quite away from that, actually. So what
3: are what are venues in in the process of trying to rebook some of these shows? What does it look like is are a lot of venues still holding off? Are they saying we're definitely not going to have any shows? Are there certain areas of the country that are more open than others to you know, continuing live music and booking and is that, acts.
0: Is, is that why there's all these places like like Fenway Park? I see like a lot of these baseball gigs and all that sort of stuff. And it seems like a lot of these places that are like, I know Fenway is having like three times the amount of gigs now. Huh. Are people trying to do stuff outside? Is that
2: why we're seeing stuff at Fenway <laughs> yeah. and not the garden? Billy Joel, I think was just at Fenway. Duns and Roses were at Fenway. Um, I think Green Day. Green Day. Green Day are doing anywhere between twenty five to 40,000 people a night. You know, like it, and a lot of it is we want to go out to a concert. We want to be entertained. We want concerts back. People are, like, desperate for entertainment. And the floodgates will open, not quite now, but if you look at it, there's only, I mean, the Rolling Stones are doing 13 dates. Um, but uh, now our company manages Easy Talk. And I actually thought the tour was going to be canceled, you know, when the bass player died, Dusty Hill.
0: But to the heavens, I mean, can we can we just take a moment and and, and just take a moment of silence for Dusty? And we've been lo- losing so many just amazing musicians that it's just been so sad. Like we lost Joey Jordison from Slipknot uh, oh, the day before that, tragic. too, and it's just like please stop and please let us see these people before they die.
2: Yeah. I I, like when Tom Petty died, I almost shed tears because although I've seen him, it dawned on me. I'll never get a chance to do it again. And, and for me, I was all like, I hero worship that guy actually, because he was the real deal. He was, I don't know if I ever told you actually on the last show, but I was at his very first show in London. And so what was that like? Well, in England in those days, which would have been the late 70s, he was looked upon as American punk. I mean, believe it or not, because he had a skinny tie. I don't know if you remember the American Girl album. And oh, there, was, I there was this big TV show called The Old Grey Whistle Test. And it was famous, it played progressive music on the BBC Two channel. And um, every band that was ever like progressive rock was on this. And he came over and did it. I was there because I was in the music business at this time and I was at that show and they had leather jackets and, and skinny ties and they were called American Punk. That's What it was, I mean, it wasn't, but that's what they labeled that guy. And I was there and I went to the after show party. Now, there's a word you won't be hearing anytime soon, right? After show party, you after know, show that's, quarantine. That's, like, that's almost as
0: bad as 20. you mean, like the isopropyl alcohol wash party?
2: Yeah, no, um, it was sex and drugs and rock and roll. Oh, I mean, <laughs> now,
0: I mean, yeah. now, like, you don't, you can't go to an after show party, they're just going to spray you down with like Listerine oh. and say, get out of here
2: mainly because they don't have them (laughs) because there's a cost and that that's a no, no, you know, it's like tour support guys. You know, when I was coming up in this business, record companies would actually support a band and they go, well, if this doesn't work, you go back and show you, you'll make another record and we'll pay you to you know, keep alive. So why you make a record and support your tour because that's how you sold records. Well, now we don't sell records. And so record companies, you got three months maybe, and then if the the shit doesn't stick, well, see ya. And, um, you know, in in my day, that was the holy grail, a record contract. When I managed my first band, I didn't care how bad it was. I made the worst deal in the history of mankind.
0: That was the name of our episode. So if people haven't seen it, go subscribe to 2020-D and listen to what actually is defined as the worst deal in history yeah, yeah. Uh, and but, why it
2: happened, because it's hysterical, because <laughs> Steve Wood, hashtag I Steve Wood, got the deal. And I thought, that's it. We got it. We're there. Um, It didn't matter to me. Uh, now, I think most bands that have record Recording deals would wish they hadn't and they weren't stuck with their labels because their labels basically say no to nearly everything that you want because there's a cost involved and it's changed so much, you know. Um, but we thought in those days that was it, you know, we, we, we'd hit the big time a record deal. Now,
3: Well, what I was going to say, not to interrupt you, but I think this is an interesting thing for listeners to hear, because I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors about how the music industry actually works when it comes to what are you really aiming for when you put a band together and make a record. So can you maybe go into some more detail about some of the differences between you know, earlier on a few decades ago versus now, like how the industry actually works and, sure. you know, labels and management. Cause I, I think it's a complex mechanism that a lot of people would be interested to hear more about. Or,
0: or even to dovetail on that, Siobhan, like what should people be looking for? Cause you say like you wanted a record contract and now you're like people who have record contract, like the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's not making it having a record contract anymore. Can you
2: make it like, what even is the definition? What, what are we even trying for anymore? Well, uh, in the in the days when when rock was in his infancy and coming up, the record contract was it. That was the be all and end all. That was it. And the only real way to promote the product was live, magazines, um, newspapers. I mean, you know, printed, you know, print and and touring and going to radio. Those were the big things. It really was, and. Um, Once the music business changed the way it has now, uh, when records no longer were being sold and streaming happened and social media happened, who's going to, you know, a magazine once a month. I mean, everything in it is old by the time it's out. It's It's like owning an Encyclopedia Britannica. You can just get Google. Yeah, because you, you, everything you want is here right now on this little box that I'm talking to you on everything. And so now you really have you need TikTok, You need social media presence. You need to be on YouTube. You bands don't even like a lot of them don't make records altogether in the same room they like the way you do Lost Symphony. Lost <laughs> La Symphony, yeah. Someone I've never met Kelly. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously, I mean, the band uh, Like a Storm, my son's band, they made that record in all different parts of the world. They were never actually in the same room. And and by the way, I should tell you, um, when they auditioned, my son Zach, for that, this I've never heard of this done before. So they were in some far-flung part of the world, They got two cameras. He set up his drum kit. They played the track. One camera was on his hands. The other camera was on his feet. And he played. And that's how he got the gig. They weren't there. I mean, I've never heard of such
0: a thing. That's like, that's like literally like a an audit like that's like we're not going to just tell you how we feel we're actually going to count if you fucked up by how many milliseconds like, that's bananas but that also tells you like, and you were saying this before and I'll, I'll segue to this that you know you saw Mar- some some young child playing Marty Friedman so proficiently but that's because we now live in an age where technology so yeah, back be, in the day well you had just to real go quick or,
1: Ben before we move on we, we were actually going for a question there to get <laughs> oh, that I think he was getting around to with the but we come with, back to with that the labeled that was support good. thing so I just want make sure we wrap that up because i know that the youtube comments would be like hey what the fuck ben
2: (laughs) now now um uh i'm actually dealing with this um with a a new i trying to get a band signed um now you're more than likely to do a piecemeal deal they're not going to want to lock you in for 10 tracks and you have to ask yourself the the sort of is it wise to put 10 tracks on a record like um, like when we were coming up in this business we all listened to albums people would come over to your house and you play music for one another right now it's really like a one and done and you put a track out and listen to that I don't know if listening to 10 tracks is is like how valid is it I mean I don't know your opinions of it but it seems to be less and less important and one of the bands that I do manage puts a new track out every two months or so. And, and it actually is wise.
0: Yeah. It no, I, I, I was actually just having this argument with our manager for lost symphony this morning. Cause he was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to do something else. Cause you know, clearly we're making tons of money being in an instrumental Shred band or whatever that you want to call us, and he's like, if "We're gonna, if we're gonna do something else, we should you know stagger singles like every two months." I'm like, "Why don't we just do one song at a time?" Corey came up with this amazing idea of just, just <laughs> one song, well, make every song the last song. He's like, "Ben, it doesn't work that way." And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure <laughs> right. that that's a smarter way, and, and and if they want more every time, it's like, do you want another encore? We'll yeah, come out for another and it would,
1: The the reason I br- I brought that up when we were discussing it was exactly what Steve's saying is that's how people digest music. Like, why not? Focus on giving yeah. people our all on you know one thing that we can make special and unique, and then roll we'll, we'll ride that Absolutely for a bit. And right. we'll the
2: next and Corey, thing. try getting forty-five minutes of somebody's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's really think about that. They're not going to donate that much of their time. And if they do, then it will turn into, after a while, into music in the room. They're not listening. Ben, I can already
1: tell, doesn't have the attention span to listen to to the end of your answer.
2: (laughs) Well, the
0: thing is that I wanted to say to that is that we did a really crazy experiment with somebody else's money, which makes it way easier with Lost Symphony, where we put out three records. And and Corey here made about 150, maybe even more videos that are amazing. We put out so much intense very hard to digest, like, full-blown music that, like, could take... Somebody could have milked this for 30 years. We put it out in, like, a year and a half. But now, we were so pretentious in thinking that we could put this out. People are actually going back now because of that one song, Take Another Piece. They're going back finally and going, Oh, my God, there's all this stuff. And it's like there's this ah. world, and we have this validation because it was all out there. But at one point, Corey's, like, 9, 97 videos in, like is this all for not as he's like whipping
2: himself with a belt. I agree with you guys. I, I I really cannot. I mean, yes, albums will always be out. You know, you're the, the greatest hits or whatever. They'll always put them out. Bands do. But think about it. The, the ones that get the, the focus, they're the ones that are going to get heard in, um, in social media or on radio, terrestrial and like um, satellite. But Um, I think the days of like an album is is, its validity is numbered, in my opinion.
4: Uh, I agree.
1: And Uh, you're right one cool. thing that, that kind of like, it fits in with all that. And I've talked to a few artists um, that are doing the single game because, you know, financially it makes sense. If you're a younger artist, you don't have the support, just do one song yeah. at a time, push yeah. it, try to get the attention. So what they're doing is they're releasing one song every two months and they're doing that for a right. year. And then they're taking those songs and making it an album. And now you have an automatic right. greatest hits because every song you is put
3: out is a it?
2: single. Exactly. So well, it's out. also
3: given them the chance. Yeah. To, to yeah. build an audience over time yeah. and get people interested. And yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how people consume music differently.
2: Yes. And you make a video uh, because it's very important. You do the like your video is wonderful. It really is. Um, who directs those, by the way?
1: The singles for the Lost live ones. Yeah.
2: The, the way you're all in different rooms, but
1: oh yeah, yeah. So the the, the, the oh, ones Symphony. you've seen for the singles are yeah. That's that's me. I, I put those together.
2: They're really well done. Oh thank you.
1: Well, there's not much direction. It's everyone sends in their footage and then I try to make it oh, look it as.
3: Actually, our last possible. video, I filmed myself in a hotel room yes. against a
0: blue curtain. So Corey, by the way, is a, is a logistical and operational mastermind. So like, what what you're really referring to more than the direction is the technicality of how unbelievable he was able to take Boris Groh's, um, um artwork and then incorporate all of our crappy camera footage and make it look like it was actually a work yeah. of art because mm-hmm. of the music. Yeah. But but the thing that's really interesting about that is it's all happening because of Nuno Betancourt, because we yeah. normally do what everybody else that is did true. Like for take another piece. So he sends us the footage, you know, like last minute because he's a rock star. He gets whatever time he wants because he's new now. And he's like, but by the way, you're not going to do one of these Hollywood Square videos, which is like exactly what we were going to do. <laughs> so we're like, fuck, we can't make Nuno angry. Cause he's not nice, when he's well, you you so, but he's angry. So, but so we forced Corey. To, you have to think of something else.
1: Yeah, and it was literally do see. anything else other than those like. Quarantine jam. So
3: basically, this, so this, I guess this was technically out of necessity. Nuno was the producer of yeah. This, yeah, he <laughs> this concept. Comes,
0: he basi- basically, what we've learned is that when you make Corey totally frantic, that he he comes up with very cre- his most creative work.
1: Oh, yeah, this was by the way, less than seven days before it was being released. That I had to rework.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant. I I've watched it so many times, guys. I I really have. Um, I just think the way you you know you um, dissolve from one to the other. Um. It, it's yeah. I'm glad it worked out. Proud that way. of it. You should be because it. Um, how's it doing, by the way? I mean, is it? Are you happy with with its appeal? And?
1: Yeah, yeah. The response has been amazing. Uh, I think taking Another piece was the one that really kind of opened the door, yeah. and then our subsequent uh, my last goodbye was able to kind of continue riding that wave and it's getting a lot of attention. And we just dropped very recently uh, the third one for acceptance, which is I think just starting to pick up now. We just had it on guitar. We just lived. watched it on yeah, 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 so we'll, we'll be curious to see how that
0: one does. but yeah. Siobhan's solo piece. Yeah.
2: I, I'm interested to know what the end game is for you guys because the
3: tower. Me too. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> what is oh. our
2: end game, Steve? Come on, you're a manager. Tell us.
3: Oh, we'll write, um,
0: write this down, Corey, whatever he says. So the,
2: yeah. <laughs> the, the end game must be to find acceptance, to, to get the word out and not be the best. Accepting that, bro- that we're going to be broke and then I have to go back to my fiance and tell her she's I like not the getting pun the bathroom there. she wants. <laughs> <laughs> no seriously there's you've got something you really do it's something very special and it, it's a, it's a crime if this is not exploited in in a good way i mean what is your plan with it you need to do something i'm telling you well i'll tell you uh, jason Leckberg, who
0: paul your partner was kind enough to send I her mean, away came up with this ingenious like absolutely crazy fanatical p- plan of rolling out three records and saying this is the most effective way and pretty much like you're gonna make no money for this record you're gonna make no money for this record and maybe if you're still good by this record people will start giving a fuck and actually he was like nostradamus yeah it was pretty good <laughs> pretty much our first record like we thought it was awesome and but you can't they can't say it right off the bat you guys are great so people were like okay it's all right like seven six and a half whatever but no one really cared second record came out and people were like wow that's pretty good i can't believe no one's listening to you and like but they're like this is genius as far as music we got a few good reviews a few like who is this and then we released take another piece and everyone's like these geniuses out of genius town came up with the greatest new music since the dawn of time and it's like bro we've been we have 177 videos out there like we literally have been pumping out music. Like we put out more music than Prince has since he's died. But like, well, we still haven't you know,
3: answered the question though, which is very important is what is the end game? And I think that's such an interesting point to make because you do, especially with one. the con. No, I mean, I, I can't even answer that question myself, you know, but it's, it's interesting, you know, that can I tell you what
0: I want to do next, Steve, and that maybe you could help us figure out the end game. Cause I can tell uh, you what I'm scheming. I'm about I now. not about next? <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, then, well, now, so I guess so in my mind, what i I see is what first off, the person behind this that's helped fund this, which is a lot of money and and so where people go, "Oh, like you guys did great and so lucky." Like we didn't even pay that much money to the people. It just costs so much money to make a thing like this run and to be the able to have three yeah. three albums out, and now finally people are like, "Well. And, like, we got a call where Jason actually used the following term, our marketing guy. You guys have been likened to a rite of passage for musicians. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, people are saying that if they're on your record, that it's, like, a testament, like, almost like that Frank Zappa a thing. A Frank yeah if, you, if you're in Frank Zappa's band that you must be good and we're almost getting that same sort of thing and it's like after three <laughs> records Corey literally never coming up for air editing videos all of us sending cell phone videos calling each other crying in the middle of the night saying like what the hell's going on sending tracks going I have to do it again my brother erased the whole song like all <laughs> the shit's happening we're like how are we gonna get the artwork there's no metadata what's metadata like who did the publishing there's publishing why didn't we talk to that guy who has the right to this why can't we point being it? we
1: we learned a lot through this process yeah, is, what so basically, tr- is what he's trying to say.
0: The end game is now to like reel this all in and finally to be able to put out music that people give a fuck about and maybe they'll hang on our songs now.
2: Well, you're going to need, um, a, 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 like, for example, I mean, Eddie Trunk, there's a guy. Do you know who he is? I mean, oh, yeah, of course. I'm a metalhead. How can you
0: not acknowledge Eddie Trunk? He's the one, oh. he's one of the few dudes constantly in the trenches Still in the trenches, like Ryan Roxy, another playing, dude. Um, why are he you playing your music? I don't know. Eddie Trunk, I don't know if he likes us. We had Satchel. He hates Steel Panther.
2: Well, that's, a, you know, Steel Panther. Actually, you know, I don't know, just quickly changing courses, but uh, Steel Panther, the bass player left. So what, I, what happened with that? You I thought to maybe say it
3: this? was a joke when I saw the, uh, the like headline for it. I was like, is this like, well, a, I know he
0: left for sex just... addiction before, which I know wasn't exactly the truth. So I'm assumed this
2: wasn't the truth. So what happened? Cause he's with well, them for I, four I, years. I, I, I can't get into that. Um, but I can say he's not coming back. And, okay. uh, and, and look, I mean, Sad. just, I know we've, we've diverted from the, what we were talking about, but, um, you mentioned Eddie Trunk doesn't like them. Um, uh, he was Lexi was was like a really important part of that group to have that guy. You've, yeah. Have you all seen them? You know exactly. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Very, I mean, I haven't seen them live,
3: but yeah. Are you,
2: Siobhan, you've seen them, or well, you I know. haven't seen
3: them live, but we you know we talked to Satchel, and I've seen videos and listened to the albums.
2: Yeah. Well, he left, and I asked if he's coming back, and they said no um they had a guy who was their tour manager who dresses up like Nikki Six with the big tank glasses on but that doesn't really work um he was perfect Lexi yeah it was that guy who was so dumb he didn't even realize it I mean he did he was just like anyway he's gone and I'm I'm going to be interested to see how they succeed I have my doubts, actually. It's a shame. We managed them for 10 years, actually.
3: Well, it's interesting, that's interesting because Satchel did bring up, I remember in that episode, for anyone that hasn't listened, go back and check it out. But um, that was one of the things he called on as the strengths of Steel Panther was the yeah. fact that they, through thick and thin, stayed together and they never changed years. lineup. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and now he's not. So um, they're going to miss that. Because that, he had a... Lexi would stand there and didn't say much, but he'd be having the mirror with Lexi and Diamante yep. on the back with his hairdryer, and he would say the most, in- well, like, I can't think of the right word. Uh, they were the so inappropriate words. They were uh, totally, and they'd all stop and look, what? Yeah. And, um, well, the chemistry
1: it, was phenomenal. It was
2: brilliant. Yeah. They played off each and they weren't rehearsed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so imp- you can't improv, just
2: yeah. change that. I mean, it just happened. Like uh, the synchronicity of it was amazing. So I, I don't know what's going to happen to But getting back to Eddie Trump, I think you need an outlet to bring attention to what you're doing because anybody that can appreciate the quality of what you do can only love what you're doing. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. If you can get them to watch it, and hear it, you win.
0: So wait, do no. I just tell Eddie like, do I just like write him like, hey, I'm a dude with a black shirt, and I'm in a no. band, and we're the best band since Pantera, <laughs> and you should probably check it out, and here's my link. I could
2: speak to Eddie Trunk for you.
0: Well, that's very different than like me inboxing Eddie <laughs> Trunk and being like, yo, dude, so I'm in a band because I'm sure that that poor Eddie Trunk <laughs> gets plenty of that.
2: Man, if you hear the phone going, meh. No, I mean. I mean, Eddie, I actually wished him happy birthday today, enough. but I mean, there's an idea because um, I think what's happening with your music, you put it out and then just hope for the best, right? I don't know. But- well, we
0: don't know. We're Which- good at me- making music. We're not good at getting the product off the shelf. If we were, we'd right. probably be rich, right? Yeah, we rely. I mean, should you be? You should yeah. keep
2: knowing what you know and stay in that lane and you're in that lane. You're, you're brilliant at it. Um you know, that I, I, you need other people who are brilliant at that to bring attention to this.
1: Yeah, and, and we and, do have, we have a very great marketing team, PR people, and like our social media, you know, we, we strive to create interesting content not just music we do the playthroughs mm-hmm. we do interviews we actually we talk because there's no lyrics we have to talk about the songs and what they mean we go through the artwork you know we have there's definitely layers that people can dive in and find so it's not like people just hear the song and there's nowhere to okay. go but you know we are always looking for ways to you know being instrumental and in, in being such this kind of niche band to connect with people a bit more, and you know, the ideal situation would be able to bring the show live, which is just uh, seems like an insurmountable feat because of the way we built it. But it's. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always just trying to think of different I ways mean, to I mean, look, if Eddie people. Trunk
0: wanted to help us out and be like, hey, man, we'll help you get it out live. Maybe I'll call Zach Wild and tell him to play some shows with you. And we get some lasers <laughs> yeah. we can borrow from Steel Panther because those are cool <laughs> dudes. And look, maybe Maiden will let us borrow, like, the Somewhere in Time set that they didn't let Incubus borrow. But, like, I know there's a bunch of Eddies running around somewhere. <laughs> we'll get a bunch of secondhand and, stuff. And we'll call Ryan fun. Roxy and we'll see if we got some Alice Cooper's head flying around. And look, we'll put a fucking show together, Steve, and we'll get you on the road. And if you can handle Dave Mustaine, you can handle me. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah and sully oh jesus man could you imagine dave mustaine sully and nuno all in the same band yeah i I, look i i actually got well known for handling extremely complex artists let's put it like that you know like like trent Reznor. he's Uh, complex uh, dark well
0: Well, he did have the door from from uh that from the house that charlie manson's people killed yeah but he, did, like, but he uh, didn't give it back, though, I heard. I heard he felt bad about it after for, like, making a bunch of what
1: Manson was, records. What was, it like, you know, managing him and working with him?
2: I, I can tell you. Um, you walk in the room, and he doesn't say anything. And you think, oh, um, I'll come back. <laughs> you feel so awkward. Yeah. No, you know, um, and so when we were traveling... I remember on many occasions, we'd be in a, a, the, like a van after a gig going to, like, we headlined Coachella, and I, he'd be sitting right behind me, and he'd be texting me questions. I'm going...
0: <laughs> it go. does work for Apple, so that makes sense. But, but it was, let's put it, he wasn't really a people guy, you know, I mean... Uh, the guy that intense. wrote Head Like a Hole, Black is a Soul, I'd Rather Die Than Give You Control, Steve Wood.
2: Yeah, that's right. But intense show. I mean,
0: intense. Best like right. show I've ever seen. In fact, there's a documentary online that I recommend everyone go see that's the design of his whole tour set. And I remember seeing them at Lollapalooza. And I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of shtick between the kiss thing, the Slipknot thing, the fire from the Guns N' Roses. And no one has ever wowed me with just, I guess the technicality and the beautiful live to LED to like not knowing the suspension of disbelief that Trent Reznor was able to create with some dude he found on the internet on some fan site years ago that just would like, he was like, I'll put you to work.
2: It's very black and white too, he's very stark, it's very jarring what he does. Um, and it's crazy intense, crazy, and he's covered in sweat. And, um, but, you know, I, it wasn't the most fun I've ever had. I mean, it just, it just wasn't, you know, I'll be honest, it, it wasn't. But, um, you know, the, anyway, get back to you, to you guys, could you play live? I mean, if, is it possible? I mean, it's Kelly exists
0: supposedly. So, I mean, he... <laughs> well, yes. Well, yeah. the thing, the thing answer is, the, is lineup.
3: Yes. the lineup consists of people that are all, all over the place. So, so the I answer guess, is, to keep the same lineup.
0: I, I have thought about this extensively, like... So Steve, if we were actually going to logistically do this, this the way I would think about it is we'd have to have the core band of our uh, an unbelievable drummer, which hopefully would be Paul, who's on the album, but like you know maybe a Shannon Larkin or someone of that ilk, and then Corey on bass, obviously. myself, I'd probably be the Mike Patton floating from guitar and piano or whatever I had to do at that moment. We're gonna have backing tracks, as you know, the whole thing sunk up the DMX five twelve protocol we're borrowing from Starship. We'll have live strings with Siobhan, and then we'll we'll, we'll have. Kevin Kelly, our guitarist, will probably have to hire another guy. Hopefully, a Jeff Loomis or a Joey what? Concepcion no. that's good enough. And then we do it live. To, sh- to us, uh, we have to have the show. Shavon could be there too. Yeah, it's going
2: to be a showcase, It's not just playing live at the uh, Paradise Theater, in Boston. No, it has to
0: be bigger. Go home. It has to be Trans Siberian Orchestra level or not at all. And that's the way, that's we realize that we can't play a club. We'd have to do something where we faked it until we made it and we'd have well, to like, I think do what a we one-off need to do, or something. I mean,
3: it really is naturally a multimedia thing because there's so much artwork involved in it too and a bit of a storyline. So I think, yeah, somehow incorporating the storyline and some sort of production for it to be more Amazing immersive production. because that's really Not what it some, is.
2: You're right. It has to be really like spectacular production um, and with a storyline and, you know, you know your core players. It could be an event, I really think so. I mean, I, well, listen, when if you I, want to sell this to sponsors, it sounds like a logistical yeah, nightmare to I'm, me. I'm, but
1: I'm curious to hear what you're saying, Steve.
2: Yeah, yeah, so. go on. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, like, when I was um, managing Alderbridge, um, you know, Mark Tremonti every night would do a clinic for the shred community and they'd pay what, like a hundred bucks or whatever it was. And he would spend an hour or two being a tutor. And there's shred people were in every city. They were everywhere. Um, and it wasn't uh, I, there's a whole thing about the shredding community, you know. I, I'm sure you know. You, you're playing with these guys. And so there is an audience for this. I mean, these people would fork over their hard, hard-earned cash. And I would love to see you go forward. Because it's kind of static, you know. You, you, you're out on YouTube and you're hoping for the best, but you've got something special. You really do. Well,
0: we, I, I guess. It's always been one of those things where we hope that we're the pretty girl that somebody just notices us from far away and just happens to say, oh, yeah, I should give you to Eddie Trunk. Because you're right, there is no linear path for our success. We don't see it. And if we knew what it was, we'd be doing it. So we have put ourselves out there in the hopes that that people will find legitimacy in what we do and that they think it's good enough. And I'll tell you, it's been very, very nice because the response, at least to this record, has been so good that... It feels like my mom's writing these PR reviews. So oh. it is it, it is validating. So like, at least we're getting like the respect now, but like, that doesn't mean I can pay my electric bill.
3: Well, and no. I will say to add on to that, that even on this star set tour, like I've toured for many you know years and no yeah. one's ever mentioned Lost Symphony in every city. Somebody has asked me about Lost Symphony, which is really amazing because, yeah. you know, it, it just proves that there has been some momentum that's picked up and people are finally kind of understanding the concept. I think that's where you got to start from, for sure. I think cool. we should just send <laughs>
1: Siobhan out on tour and then we can
2: sit back. And no, I think more people
3: just from people I've talked to. I bring it up to everybody that I talk to. And some people are like, oh, that sounds amazing. I would totally well, listen to that. Yeah. So you've
2: you got to think that Mahi Friedman, Alex Skolnick, these people would talk about this. And they do have an audience. They do. There are
0: outlets that. Marty doesn't want work. to talk about this though because Marty, I feel like as much as I love him, but Marty controls everything. So yeah. like he has, he doesn't have control over this. So he's like he he appreciates us. He he totally supports us. He's the greatest guy. Yeah. He literally is the most classy person I've ever met. But does he want to talk about us? No, because he doesn't control Benny, Corey, or Siobhan. Well, he so, curates like,
1: his message and his image and so his branding so
0: intensely. Yeah. He's highly like, this curated. Is, this is yes, not. Yeah, true. this is not on brand with Marty.
2: Well, it depends who asks him, doesn't it?
0: Well, I mean, listen, it, like, again, it's me <laughs> inboxing Marty. Hey, I'm Steve Wood's friend, Benny. Remember me, the guy that's emailed you? If
2: you he's like, how did you get this email? <laughs> no, well, look, uh, I mean, if it was me, for example. I, I actually wrote to, to him today. You know, we, we have a sort of long distance love affair. We, we, we've been friends for a long time. I can't imagine him not being involved in, like, talking about you. Well, so you know,
0: actually, this is a very good segue because we, one of the things we're trying to do, and I, we haven't even spoken to Corey about this, but I had a call with <laughs> the guy behind everything. Um, we, so the Nara guitarist, as you know, which I am, we have all three Jason Becker guitars, all three of them that were on the chopping block at Gurney's. And that money obviously goes directly to Jason. And it was with the blessing of Marty Friedman because Marty, who's worked with us, vouched for us to Jason which I can't yeah. even tell you how much that means to me. But what we've promised in return is to continue raising awareness because the thing is, you know, someone like Herman Lee, God bless that man for bringing so much attention to Jason Becker and helping. But Herman Lee is a guy that is known by people that love Jason Becker because he's a shredder. He's on, He's another. He's from another planet of shred. But I, what we want to do is people who don't know Jason, we want them to learn his story. We want them to understand and, and feel what's going on. We want to use these guitars and put them in hands of people that you wouldn't necessarily see so that we can Stop. speak the message and, and help raise awareness for the charities that he's involved in and for the the what people go through with ALS, with MS, with any type of debilitating disease like that. And the fact is Jason's a hero. And my hope is, and I'm going to say it here in front of everybody, that We've been talking to Jason and Jason's all about us using his guitars on the next lost symphony song. His guitars only. So recording there's with a story it. Story right there. But I would
2: like Jason to co-produce the song with us. There's another story right there. You see there's a lot of ammunition and I don't. maybe you're not thinking of, about it but there is. There's a lot you got going for you. It just hasn't been coordinated. It hasn't been put together. Steve, we to can't share. afford
0: you, okay? You keep selling us on you, but we can't afford you. You're at Shelter Music. We need... The, give me Shelter. No, I would do this for free because you deserve on, it. Are you taping this, Corey? Is this is this live?
3: <laughs> it's,
2: it's what did a, you say? It's a, it's did you a
0: binding say free? agreement. know <laughs> what I Judy
2: said. I have to be motivated and love what I do to do it. Yeah. I, really, Absolutely, I think yeah. the only time... In my career, that I did something purely for money was to pay for my honeymoon. I accepted the Boy George tour. (laughs) (laughs) Did that hurt? Did that hurt you? It it was. Looks like it it still hurts you. Well, I, I'll tell you a couple of things about it. As we're was doing this like when show, he was tying too. up
0: slaves? Time, like, was this when
2: he was like tying up his escorts? Well, or let him tell the that? stories that he has. Don't derail. It. He was um, going through, uh, and this is common knowledge, uh, addiction issues. And I got the call by his manager, and I knew I was getting married soon, and I wanted to go to a private island in the Caribbean. You know, this beautiful island called Petit Saint Vincent. And um, so I met with his manager, and his manager was a very sort of the upper class British Rolls Royce chauffeur. Look, I sailed, oh, Jack, power. It was all that, right? And so you're and like, he, I play uh, that game at the airport
0: all the time. You can't work it on me like that.
2: Uh, I, I play it all oh, the time John. too, right? and it I, works. But so he calls me. I go to his office. And he sees me in, his, his secretary says, oh, go in, Tony will see you now. And I sit down, this guy, Rolls Royce outside, chauffeur waiting just in case. And he says, now, look here, old boy. Uh, he says, uh, George is a, he's a rather sensitive fellow. But a um, good thing to do is after a show, he says, just tell him, just say, oh, you were fabulous. Just tell him that. And um, that'll go down well. I said, "Okay, Tony, what happens if he wasn't?" <laughs> oh well, just lie, old boy. <laughs> That's what he told me. Just lie, and um, so I did this tour, and we—it was a nightmare. It was—I'm going to tell you this this little snippet. During the tour, he, we were seeing doctors every day to give him. You know the medications he needed. Some were placebos, some were real. I carried the bag. I carried the bag, and um, and at the one tour, guy. yeah, at one tour in, in the Helong Stadium in Zurich, it's an arena. He was so gone, he didn't know where he's going, and he walked into the back of the backdrop, like. Like, swear to God. And then he started crying and walked off stage during the show, just walked off, got his assistant, they got in the car and drove away. And he went to England. Now I'm left with abandoned crew and buses and trucks. Oh I'm like, going, what are we going to do? And the manager said, well, old boy, he says, where's the next city? And I said, Paris. Well, go over there, get there and give me a call. And I'll let you know what we're doing. So everybody, we go off to Paris. I arrive. Tony, Steve, we're in Paris. What's happening? It's not today, old boy. Um, <laughs> where's the next one? Milan. Okay. Go to Milan and give me a call. And this went on for a week. Uh, just the a whole thing, just going around the country, me calling. And we didn't have a cell phone, then. And, and that's how it went. And it was incredible uh I mean it was it's nuts but we did it and the last show we were in Iceland in Reykjavik okay now have you ever I probably haven't been to Iceland have you many people I haven't oh I I vacationed at the Blue Lagoon
0: on the regular it's like the moon it's a it's an alt it's an ultra spa there it's really nice that the infinity pool
2: no, seriously, it's like the moon. It looks like the moon. And people drink like there's no tomorrow. Because of what the fuck are you going to do? I mean, you're in Iceland. Nothing, right? So they drink.
0: Uh, century so, eggs, Steve. That's what you do. You eat a century egg. Well, what's a century egg? You don't know this? I learned this from Anthony Bourdain. They, they take an egg and then they, they, they bury it and they let it putrefy and then you dig it up and it's a delicacy and they call it a century egg. It's not a hundred years old, but it's like at least a hundred days old.
2: The Koreans do that with their kimchi. Uh, They bury their- I thought you said they're kids. I was like, that's dark. (laughs) (laughs) Kimchi. Anyway, so listen, we're in Reykjavik, right? with, With George, last show of the tour and the wardrobe assistant couldn't do it. So he hired his, this guy, um, and this is, this is not a, a, a gay slob. This guy was extremely homosexual. Let's put it that way. Hand on the head. Smoking was very gesticulating all the time. Right. Sure. <laughs> and um, his name was Judy, I believe. And so he was going to do baggage for the wardrobe. He was doing all of that. Doesn't he and- already have his own? Well, he couldn't do the tour, this guy that he uses. So he uses this guy, Judy. And so we're doing the show, and the deal is, after the tour ends, all of his wardrobe gets put into the limousine. He walks off stage and George, myself, and Judy, this guy, uh, and security zoom off to the hotel. And I research it with this guy, Judy, a hundred times. This is what we do. He goes, right, got it. Now this guy was hopeless alcoholic. I mean, he was just drinking the whole time, right? So end of the show, George off stage. everything ready, Judy? Oh, yeah, it's fine. Get in the car. We're gone. Driving, I said, uh, just to be sure, Judy, um, the bags are in the back, right? He goes, darling, I don't do bags. <laughs> he wasn't going to carry them. <laughs> I had to go all the way back and get the suitcases. It was just the way he said it while smoking. No. <laughs> I don't do bags. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Crazy. You know, when I think back on some of the things that I've seen doing what I do, some of the stories, I mean, that, oh my God, it's nuts. but so let, me ask,
0: so let me ask you this you've worked with some nefarious creatures in this world. Um, it's one of the things that you and I, so Steve and I, first off, I, I have to say that I very much appreciate our friendship because Steve sends me guitars and, and, and I send him guitars. And then yeah. we, we share, we revel in our um, emotional problems and our <laughs> outlets. And I, I find that like you're, you're my kindred spirit across like wherever you are. I'm just like, I I, I think about you. I'm like, I Steve thinking about me too, <laughs> you know, but I want to know, I, I, I want to know Do you, with all these people, what do you want to tell me? Because when we were talking last, I said this would be a great outlet for you autobiographically because you have so many stories. I'd have to I think do. that it must be like almost anxiety ridden to think about trying to write it down. Tell us something you've wanted to tell people. Like, w- give us a, st- a tour story that like we wouldn't believe because I- Boy George right. is not the person I would have asked about.
2: Well, it'll be about Kiss.
0: All right, I'm in.
2: Let's go. What era? We are in Austin. No, Lubbock. Lubbock, Texas, rehearsing the Hot in the Shade tour with the Sphinx. This huge Sphinx. And we're in the arena. And for some reason, Gene Simmons knows how if the lighting's good while he's on stage i don't know any other musician that can tell that he can right and so we're rehearsing we're there for like five days rehearsing the tour and we're in the arena and we're going through rehearsals and the lighting designer was a very good friend of mine unfortunately he's no longer with us but um his name was dino and Cheers to Dino, wherever are the- you are dino yeah thank you um people don't have names with kiss. They have titles, you know, like, and Jean said, Steve, I had a name actually, get <laughs> lights in here. And it's like, <laughs> oh, McG-
0: Steve, get lights in here. <laughs>
2: right. That's right. And so oh, I go into the dressing room where he's telling me this and they're being him and Paul are being fitted for cowboy boots. With this guy, he's got all the stuff he needs, and he's measuring out their feet. And he's making cowboy boots because they're in Texas. I, I said, Dino, Gene wants to talk to you. Dino was one of these guys that didn't have much in the way of facial expressions. He just, like, there was nothing all the time. Walk in. Gene, Dino is here. He turns around, and he looks at Dino, and sees there's no expression there. And he walks up to him, and goes, Hello? I he go, Oh my God, here it comes. Here we go. <laughs> Dino, nothing. He goes, um, Watch and learn. Picks up his guitar, picks it up, walks over to the, the door and does this, like with the feet up. And he goes, Boom, like that. And as he does it, turns the light off in full darkness. Again, guitar up, boom, darkness. And he just turned round and went back to his boots. <laughs> and Dino didn't say a word. He just looked like, what the fuck just happened? And I swear to God, a, a, a true story. I mean, and that was it. And Gene was a, a man of very few words, but he got his point across really yeah. well.
1: He wanted the blackout and, 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 at the end of the thing. Is yeah. that what he's saying? Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean,
0: could Dino just stand in there? Well, let me ask you this. It, are we respecting Dino for the no facial expression, or am I supposed to be respecting Gene Simmons for his absolutely, completely uh, insurmountable, crazy, narcissistic it's way so of dealing like with me. things? So, because like I was to say, because I, I got to tell you, that's a good way to rule
2: if you have an oligarchy. Yeah. Well... This other time, we're at the Forum in Los Angeles. This is another great one. Steve, get security in here. <laughs> okay. Sold out Forum show. I'd hired this guy who went on to be the tour manager for Tina Turner eventually, right? Australian guy. Patrick comes in the room, says, and he's, he's just started with the band, so he's kind of nervous, and he wants to do a good job. Uh, Dean Patrick's here. Ah, Patrick, how do the passes work here tonight? Don't forget, KISS, the forum, sold out. Patrick begins to give him the history of the backstage passes, the photo passes, the working passes. And, and, and Gene is looking like him, like he's a complete blithering idiot. You can see it starting with Gene. And then he can't take it anymore. Stop. (laughs) And then Patrick's like, oh, what have I done? And I'm thinking, here it comes. Patrick, he says. He was telling him the the, the backstage does this. The one with the triangle does that. The the, the rectangle one means you can do it. Patrick, allow me to educate you. There are two types of people that come to a KISS concert. There's the scum and the cool people. And I'm not interested where the scum are going tonight. <laughs> like, oh <my> <laughs> he wanted to know where his people go, I guess, for passes. No, was- I,
0: I, 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 I get it. I mean listen I, I I read he has a book about power And the first chapter is something to the extent of, hi, I'm Gene Simmons. I invented myself. I'm from Israel. The reason I'm successful is because I told everyone I'm going to be successful. I actually made me. The reason I'm me is because I wrote it down and said that I'm going to be tall. I'm going to use my tongue. I'm going to have blood. And I'm going to do all these things. You too can do that as well if you're narcissistic, egocentric, and have enough money that you can actually tell people what to do because you're really tall and people listen to you because you have a deep voice. You're the god of thunder.
2: In the Four Seasons Hotel... Uh, Gene and I were sitting in the lobby. He calls over the waiter. He calls the guy over. He goes, I think um, I'd like some chocolate chip cookies. I just terribly sorry, sir. Um, we don't actually have any. She says, what do you mean you don't have any? This is the Four Seasons. He goes, well, very sorry. He says, where's the kitchen? Oh, God. <laughs> Right. Take me to the kitchen now. <laughs> this guy's like, OK. And then we go into the kitchen and he instructs the chef how to make his chocolate chip cookies right there in the Four Seasons in Houston. Well, Did you have any of those cookies? Yeah, they made them. Were they
0: <laughs> yeah. good? Gene Simmons. Hold on. But so was it worth was it worth it? For the experience, it's priceless. <laughs> I did. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what I want to know. Like, were the cookies worth it, though? Like, were they? Because I actually, I'm with Gina I'm with in this. Because I one time went to the Bristol Lounge at the Four Seasons in Boston, right? And I ordered an yeah. egg for $40. And it was supposed to be a poached egg. And I'm going to tell people right now that if my egg doesn't run, it could make or break my day. And literally, it, pun intended. So I, they came over and, and they're very. They take all the crumbs off your table, the whole nine, and they watch you as you cut your egg. And I had my salmon. They, it's not lox there; it's salmon. It's like Nova Scotia salmon because it's too expensive oh, yeah. uh-huh. to be lox. And and it's got capers as they're supposed to have. And I go nice. and cut it, and and it, instead of it bleeding, the beautiful yolk, it, yeah. it's just this congealed sadness. And I look up at the waiter sad, and they take, it, uh, they take it away from me, but I thought to myself, <laughs> just like Gene Simmons, how could the Four
2: Seasons possibly fuck this up? Oh, well, yeah, he wouldn't have stood for it. And they, they, he would they're have cookies, told man.
3: I'm Everyone sure. wants cookies. Gene is Well, it is sounds right. like for Gene Simmons, no is not an acceptable answer. <laughs> it's just a segue yeah. to yes. That's yeah. by, by the, the 25,000
2: women. Be, be, oh, that, that's true. Because he's a man of few words, he carries these little yellow post-it notes. <laughs> and he can basically say what he wants on one of those. That's what he does. He just gives that. So would you say he's,
0: if he's any, if he's any type of, um, word, he's not a noun. He's not an adverb. He's an interjection. Just an interjection? One, yeah, yeah, just okay. one. He's a wow. But he's a listen, fuck. Listen he's got an back. exclamation
2: point. You know what I mean? Like it was amazing benny i mean the the things we did the things you saw the stories i got the the experiences to travel the world and to be able to get a living out of doing that And to have these stories and these things you can talk about, it, it's really special. It's
1: incredible, and we enjoy hearing all of them. And we are going to hear more in part two, I assume, because sure. uh, we're going to yeah. we're going to wrap this one up. But I'm leaving a couple minutes because I assume Ben's going to talk for a couple here. But uh, Steve, as always, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your knowledge. Oh, I love and, it. and the advice and uh, and any guidance you have yeah, for great us. great
3: guidance. In this you know,
1: one. we we right. are sponges when you're in our presence here, so <laughs> we appreciate. I that.
2: want you to succeed. <laughs> And I want to help do it because it's not—it's criminal if it doesn't. Because the talent is undeniable here. <laughs> well, and um, I, I have to tell you that it—it's been
0: such a humbling experience to be able to first off speak to you and to Paul. Because if you watch his episodes, like he had us, like I mean, I almost cried. Like he's like at the end of the first episode, he did with like, and then Queen basically called us to to come in and play the show, and we're like. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And like I mean, and he's very blasé about it. Like you, you know, he's just like, oh yeah, bud, we were just, you know, we just sold out Wembley Arena, and then like you know, came back, and our song was the biggest thing, and you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> with you, you've been so candid with us, and you've been so nice, and you've been so indulgent. I, I have to say thank you, and I truly look. We we made this music just like every band. You know, we have that belief in ourselves. We're like, we hope that people say what you're saying. And we hope that people want to send us to Eddie Trunk. We hope people want to see us live. We hope people want this to go on. But the reality of it is it's, it's almost impossible. And we feel like we've been trapped under ice. So we appreciate your help. And just so everyone else knows, like, even though we play with Marty Friedman and we have Jeff Loomis and all this crazy, you think that we're living large. We're... I'm still on Mass Ave and Tremont Street in Boston, like at from seven to nine, asking for change. But
2: there's opportunities that you are not doing that you could be, and that I'm sure of. That is a story of our
1: lives. Yeah. On that note, we're gonna, we'll, you've we'll been 2020. The next episode.
0: Yeah. Steve, you stick around uh, and talk to us later this week, please. Yeah. I'm proud to
2: be 2020.
1: Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com, like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 89 featuring Mikey Doling and Shannon Larkin. Check it out.
4: <laughs> How about this? We have the snot house, right? All the guys in snot lived together in one house. Yes. Okay. And we rehearsed next to the local strip club next door. So we'd be jamming in the day, take a break, and go into the strip club, and pull the strippers <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, they'd be wanting to hang out with us. We are snot. And we'd, they'd come and watch us jam. And then we'd take them back to our apartment, or not apartment, house, to the snot house. And they would buy us all groceries. And, you know, they had money. <laughs> we didn't. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes A Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week...